Welcome to Drugs Unwrapped, the podcast brought to you by Barrod. Barrod is a substance use service based across West, South and East Wales. Each episode, we'll be asking one question about drugs and their use and debating it from the perspectives of those at the front line, providing support and services to those affected by substances. Hello, welcome to Drugs Unwrapped with me, Rob. Uh, today it's just me and Jamie. Jamie, how are we? You okay? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, so, what's news? Well, it's uh, all going the Western Front, um, but uh, we're all... The <laughs> 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 We are West, though. Uh, kind of, yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, we're, we're obviously uh, been waiting in, in, t- in anticipation with regards to the reclassification or the classification uh, for NOS, uh, aka Laughing Gas, uh, to now a Class C. So we're just going to see what the fallout of that's going to be in the future in really in regards to like the criminality element to it and also how would that impact anyone coming into services yeah. um, going forward. So that's the big news for me, I think, more recently. I laugh because it, it is just quite comical, really, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, to see that, that, that now is a Class E drug and, you know, the the criminal element to it now and how many young people are using the substance um i think more information around the substance is needed to put more effort into that than rather than just like let's just criminalize it and mm. you know put, put more people's futures at risk um you know we are very much aware of the health element uh, the impact on health that it does have you know when when um used in abundance but uh we need to you know we need to be be a bit, bit more proactive than what we're actually being at the moment. But the thing is, they haven't banned it from a harm perspective, though, they? No, not at all. It's, it's purely from an antisocial behaviour. Yeah. And, like, the amount of canisters you find on the street. I don't know about you, but I don't know the last time I saw a canister on the street. Uh, not 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 the whippet canisters. We've seen the larger canisters more oh, than really? anything now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that, that, those, can, those small silver aluminium canisters are all, have gone... Uh, a long time ago now it's the oh. larger um, canisters which I can't remember the sizes that they come in but they're, they're far more you know popular um, do you see balloons with them as well? Uh, not so much uh, just just the en- empty canisters which are quite a weight in them actually they, they, I don't know what material they make oh, you know obviously it's contained gas so they have to be quite yeah. uh, substantial um, but you know when you when you see that you know the, the the MPs voted overwhelmingly to to categorise it like Class C for on what grounds on antisocial behaviour. You know, really, um, but we'll see what the ban um, will do and whether people now will not come forward to look for help or anything like that. Yeah, I think we're going to do an episode on we. Yeah. Probably, some point next year to to look at if it has had any. Yeah. kind of implications really from from the ban but you see for me anyway I see more crisp packets and yeah. water bottles you know yeah, kind definitely. of discarded on the street you're not going to ban them are you no. so um, yeah. so yeah it's, uh, it's it'll be an interesting one to see what the actual kind of yeah. implications will be but benzos today James yeah is what we're we're talking about 
That's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> the big dog is in the house to talk about benzos. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what was your uh, self-proclaimed title, Jane? Uh, God's favourite drugs worker. There we are. Fabulous. Yeah, thank you. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of benzos, then... <laughs> I swear we haven't taken laughing gas before this, no. but um, yeah. But in terms of benzos, then, so obviously this is a class of sedative substances. Mm-hmm. I think most people will probably know Valium yeah. as as the main benzo. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll refer to benzodiazepines as as benzos. Um, Xanax is probably a, a one of the more well known ones, but then obviously we've got kind of newer ones that have come on the market haven't we which we'll, we'll discuss yeah. in in a bit in terms of from yourself obviously you you manage the the swansea services and, and you've kind of been around in services for for a while from a benzo perspective then has it, has it always have they always been around yeah yeah i think i think we've always had um, if you if you when you triage an individual coming into like our tier two street agency, you always kind of could naturally tick a box or whether someone has had a brief experience with it, use them recreationally, or they were their primary drug of choice, and um, they were they they you know obviously we we had we had scenarios where different settings from they would be prescribed to the individual or prescribed to another or they were then sold illicitly and were genuine you know were genuine was the actual genuine substance and were sold or palmed off to other people and you 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 kind of you kind of knew they were in the background and they they're so multifunctional you know mm-hmm. the, the, it's, the marketplace is 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 very buoyant um, across the country, as we know, but with with benzos or Valium, um, diazepam, as you know, as we call them over the years, they've they've always had their place in the drugs market, and obviously, you know, as we go on to discuss, I suppose, you'll see that the, the how how the diversification of drug use and people's needs and wants. And requirements from from a drug, not always uh, benzodiazepines, but you'll see that that they, how the drug has got more popular over time and has become more problematic as well. Why why would you say it's become more? Is there, is there any is there a particular reason why they become more popular? Because that's something that I looking from the outside really in terms of not necessarily be in front line and services but kind of hearing and, and seeing you know um valium use that it has it has become more popular over the last few years is, is there any particular reason why you think you know that is i think like you know from from a medical perspective it's you know their primary function when prescribed is is as a sedative you know, it's got that the, the hypnotic element to it. Um, you know, anti-anxiety. Um, I think that's the main reason for its prescription, isn't it? Absolutely, for absolutely. Anxiety. And and the those those and the muscle relaxant elements to it as well for whatever is required from a medical perspective. From a from from an individual that may be looking for a certain 
outcome from from the drug because that relaxation element that opportunity to take away the stresses and strains of modern life and society it's got that primed position in the marketplace uh, for individuals to actually look for the substance to use more frequently now so many environmental factors now which have changed which has been a bit of a game changer in relation to uh, benzodiazepine use um, and you've got to look at it from back in the day you would or could get prescription benzodiazepine if you were lucky um, some would be offered it long term others would be short term uh, we all know now from the days of where we're very much aware of the long term prescribing becomes non-effective because of individuals tolerances and the drug loses its effectiveness do, do that people tend to become dependent then yeah that- absolutely so people become dependent on psychologically and physiologically as well so you know that you've got to be aware of the risks associated to benzodiazepine use yeah. as well and i think and i think what people have got is that um the 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 market as i say the marketplace was obviously that this drug was always bubbling in the background it's multifunctional it 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 has its foot in every camp of where whatever whatever uh tranche of drug use or drug using community you sit in they've they you 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 you've got a use there for it potentially and it could be therapeutically as well for those people who may have withdrawals or maybe self-medicating in some way, shape, or form. But it's 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 got such a broad diversification. And now what we're seeing with all the issues in regards to drug availability, quality, quantity, control, increase in alcohol use, poly drug use. This the marketplace, as I said, is primed now for this substance. If in those cases that we do have, it is genuinely, you know, uh, benzodiazepines as well, because that's probably another discussion that we've got, we're going to have, is that then the use there can facilitate someone's um, alleviation of withdrawals from opiates. Mm-hmm. Um, can be self use for self medicating when it comes to maybe if you've got comorbidity with mental health and drug and alcohol use, um, you've got uh, you know the the the, the self prescribing element for treatment for yourself or when you're maybe a, a dependent alcohol user, so it's so multifunctional. And if I'm a stimulant user as well. Users like users help, as, with the help with the come down, help me get to sleep, help yeah. me put my mind at ease at rest. So, so the marketplace and the the, the, the the availability and the cheap how cheap the drug is nowadays, it's perfect, you know. And that's why we've seen across a broad section of all people coming in, are are kind of presenting with, you know, many issues. That's not to mention as well. In regards to the diversity of the drug, with the demographics of the people that are presenting, okay. So that's another that's another discussion as as well as that. Back in the day, you know, we would see people that were you know using street drugs, but were also using benzodiazepines. Now we're getting people from all walks of life, um, maybe uh, you know are working in a professional setting and have also been using benzodiazepines. Whether that their initial introduction was through. Uh, their GP due to having quite a, a you know a stressful job uh, or a stressful job and work you know that that kind of home life as well so they got introduced to the the substance 
um, and they've been self-medicating from there on in. The internet, the availability of prescription medications on the internet and having the ability to access the internet and the funds to be able to pay for that. We've seen the rise in that. We've also, which is like a small cohort of individuals, um, and older people, should we say, you know, uh, coming into services, asking about information advice, whereas now they've been taken off prescription uh, benzodiazepine scripts. They've been using um, the internet to purchase their prescriptions. The reason for that is because they've been self-medicated because they feel that they've been um, battling or struggling with like ha- new neurodivergency so they, they've they've gone they feel they've gone undiagnosed for maybe be having been on the autistic spectrum and the challenges that they face day to day in managing their life uh, interacting socially with family members people in the community work and they said you know it's really worked and now that they've um been um you know taken off their prescription um, that then they've had to go other places to purchase the drug whether it be what well, normally it is on the internet and the prices on the internet have skyrocketed as well so you know that is a big hit to the to the to the wallet as well for some individuals that, that are doing it and that's causing significant issues and obviously that's without even talking about tolerance and then building up a dependence on that and how people can manage it and how do they you know safely use the drug without putting themselves at risk so uh, with those like people being prescribed then is it a case of that they're reporting that their prescription has just been stopped and there's kind of no alternatives that are being offered to them so that's why they then have to look at getting valium offline or to, to well to, to be fair um the what we're seeing what we're seeing is that from a primary care perspective when prescribing the gps have given um individuals a kind of reduction plan so they you know there's oh, not yeah. that kind of sudden cessation uh, cessation of like the their, their prescription and they're obviously following medical guidelines now which is which is fantastic but that doesn't help the person no. for, 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 for after after that so we, we're seeing good practice within primary care for people who have been prescribed it um, also speaking to people within health in certain departments they've also seen I think you a bit of an increase in referrals into pain management from primary care into secondary care for those individuals because they're still then looking for prescription med- medications and also we've we've we're led to believe that um primary care incentivized now to be reducing the amount of people that that are being prescribed these medications Mm -hmm. so so you know we've got to be mindful of the current landscape of prescribing and also you know primary care's concerns around the risks attached to people who may be struggling and may have very you know complex overlapping unmet needs that are not met through primary care and are not accessed to we say a tier two service provision like ourselves and how complicated that could be for an individual and and the risks that pose to them so it's it's it's, it's an interesting landscape to be looking at at this present moment in time um you know there are potential uh, alternatives should we say um but i think you know when you when you when you're looking at um 
possibly suggesting uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy approaches, which could help with your withdrawal and ongoing road to recovery. Um, sometimes that isn't always, should we say, met with open arms for some individuals mm -hmm. who may be, you know, trying to deal with years of potential trauma. And, and, and you know, there are alternatives from herbal perspective, um, you know, beta blockers and things like that. But they're, they're not the same, really, are they? But then what you do look at, then you may see an increase in um, other substances being uh, being tried and tested, you know, to be able to support them, uh, to, to look at their, their drug use and to help them with, like, you know, whatever lifestyle changes or behavioural strategies that they need to take to be able to cope with, with that change. Go forward. Yeah. When you talk about price, like, what... Do, do you know in terms of like what is the going rate for Valium nowadays? Oh, from a from a street perspective, it's a couple of quid, you know, what, for um, one for one or two tab, you know, for a, a batch of tablets. Um, you know, I've I've been I've been told like the man from a manufacturer's perspective, from like your clandestine pharmaceutical um, outlets, you know, a cost of a, a of a tablet is pence is pennies you know and then the markup then obviously goes up as as it goes down the chain and ends up burning up on a street with you know pounds and the, the because of the demand and the amount they can churn out the tablets and obviously they don't come always in like blister packs and packaging they come loose um, they come in bags uh, so you haven't got to worry about those kind of overheads um, but the availability then, uh, you know, is, is much easier from a distribution perspective. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you come away a happy person if, you, if you've managed to um, walk away with X amount or a couple of hundred uh, blue tablets that you can, uh, you know, consume mm -hmm. in, in, in your leisure. But that doesn't say that that substance that you're taking is actually, you know, benzodiazepine, as we know, not always is that the case when we've managed to get, um, you know, the test results back. Yeah, I think that's one of the main issues, isn't it, in terms of with benzos at the minute, in that people are believing they're getting one thing, but actually they're getting something completely different yeah. in terms of within the benzo family, not necessarily a completely different drug, so to speak. But I think it's quite interesting, like what you said in terms of the the type of people if you kind of use for a, a better expression really but that, that use kind of benzos because talking to people they they tend to think of like benzos as a drug that tends to be used by people who use opiates mm, yeah, but not. actually like you mentioned it's so broad yeah. and i think even going back probably 10 15 years ago it probably wasn't too uncommon for your nan to potentially be dependent upon Valium and do you know? It's, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and obviously we kind of don't, I assume, we don't really see that as much anymore because obviously they, like you mentioned, in terms of the prescribing element and they've kind of cut that back a little bit. But, you know, it is still fairly widely kind of prescribed, isn't it, in terms of, of, of that. <clears throat> Going on then in terms of like, from a services perspective, what are you seeing then in terms of people accessing support around benzos? Is it that we tend to see people who actually come into services wanting support around another drug, but then also, but benzos is in the background, or are we kind of 
seeing people who just use benzos <clears throat> I think it's a it's a bit of a mix. It's a bit of everything, to be honest. With you. you you know you you've now got people who are presenting with like benzos or a substance mimicking benzos as their primary drug of choice. What they are seeking sometimes is like yeah, they would like to be completely refraining from using any form of substances, but the reality of that is sometimes extremely challenging because if you think like you know when you when you look at someone's drug use and you say like what what do you think are the reasons why you use substances it's so broad and so varied and just to name a few things would be you know <clears throat> self-medicating due to like anxiety um you know um uh, anxiety depression dealing with your thoughts of previous traumas that you experience and then when you're talking about someone's trauma that's extremely varied as well mm-hmm. and how people um, cope with that is very individual so when you're looking at the substance and you've got the substance which then really helps that individual at that time of managing it but they then sometimes may overuse the, the, the drug uh, because obviously they start to see that their tolerance is increasing um, and you've almost come then full spectrum when someone presents at your building and you start working on a reduction plan and you start looking at you know moving on in their recovery they then come full circle to that point when they start experiencing again anxiety depression mm-hmm. because you've got to remember what that post-acute withdrawal um experience that people will kind of like some individuals will have which will be lingering around when they're looking at their reduction plan and you you it just brings back all those memories and thoughts of why people started using in the first instance was to avoid that withdrawal element from that that acute withdrawal element of benzodiazepines so it's really kind of difficult and challenging like we said going back to like the cognitive behavioral therapy stuff is that if you're bringing that into play when you've been so used to being able to have a drug have a substance that you can just take and that just goes away you know yeah the amount of effort that goes into someone's personal care you know self-care um promoting their well-being themselves when you really sometimes maybe not like yourself or really struggle with that that's a real challenge so the work our, our work i think is really cut out for us when as a street agency when you've got someone who is presenting solely with that issue and potentially without options for uh treatment so an alternative prescribing is that um, available it is um however yeah. you know you got to remember the demands on treatment services are extremely high due yeah. to all those other substances True. um and i think it sometimes involves a lot of planning a lot of pre-treatment work, relapse prevention work um, to kind of really evidence that, uh, how, how do you say it, you know, that in, that individual is engaging with services and showing that there, that's what they really want. Um, and if you can evidence that and you can promote that they can access that kind of like treatment then and alternative detoxification, I suppose, or, or prescribe, or, not prescribing really, the, the detox. Then, then yes, it is an option, but it's it's not easily accessible for all, should we say? So you can potentially have like 
Valium or benzo detox, yeah. similar to like an alcohol detox, yeah. so yeah. to speak. Yeah, so that yeah. potentially is available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you're saying, like you know, you know, as 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 probably a lot of services um, across um, the country, they're a tier two funded third sector organisation, but predominantly probably seeing a lot of tier three, you know, yeah. cases and working working above they're kind of like they're tiered um, so tier three being more clinical yeah yeah you know working with people coming in with like multiple overlapping and met needs yeah. um more complex comorbidity uh possibly need a prescribing but you've got to think you know prescribing is very well you know very stretched at the moment so where do those people sit in this moment in time and it all depends on where you are in the country and how how you're waiting less waiting times, how proactive uh, treatment services are, uh, and, and, and clinicians. So it's it's it varies drastically, massively. But um, those are just some of the few issues. And that, and that's as you say, to just those individuals, which is quite simple. When it got you know a, a single drug, but when you got poly drug drug users, and the complexities then of detoxification, you know one drug being swapped with another drug or there's a multitude of other drugs and benzos are just one of those thrown in and which are also mm. kind of is also problematic as well so going back in terms of like what you said jane i think you know we alluded to it in terms of valium and benzos but probably valium more specifically in that people don't necessarily know what they're getting like Wedinos, obviously the the drug checking service, which is based in Wales, but it's utilised from people from across the, the UK. Like I was having a look actually in terms of their last set of annual figures. So I think it was benzodiazepines were the most commonly identified class of substance, basically that the samples that they received to then obviously test but they said that they basically received what the the, the consumer thought was valium they received just over 1200 samples and within those samples upon analysis once those those drugs had been tested they actually found something like 38 different compounds yeah. So it just shows really the amount of different substances um, that have been identified w- within basically one one believed drug, which was Valium. And actually, from all of those samples of the the twelve hundred samples, only forty five percent contained Valium. So actually, the the vast majority, fifty five percent, didn't contain Valium. They contained other forms of of benzos. What's What's the issue with that then? What what harms ultimately can can come from that? Well, purely and simply that we we don't know the long term effects of these newer research kind of chemicals, which are quite commonly represent or very much look like the blue, you know, all blue tablets, which we tend to see now all look alike. But when when looking at the actual um, content, it you know they differ dramatically. So we're having to kind of broadly taper our harm reduction messaging to incorporate that. One, you don't know what you're taking, you know, you know, and and you've got to think about colloquially our our language as well. You know, benzos, 
MSGs. You know, there's so many, there's so many different terms, Valiums, uh, so many different terms are used for. Also, uh, dog Valium as well. Yeah, right? dog that, Valiums back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, that was something else that was. You know, when we saw when we saw the marketplaces becoming uh, more, should we say, more difficult, more challenging to kind of purchase or substances. Then we saw, you know, apparently dog Valium coming into play, which I think was just a ploy from that kind of back in the day when we, we you know, when you could buy bath salts and, yeah. and, 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 you know, not for human consumption and all the rest of it. Um, and they were just labeled that. But we are having to broaden our harm reduction information and messaging to incorporate all the substances. So it's been a vital part for uh, us as uh, frontline workers to make sure that we keep up to date from, you know, some a, a huge resource, uh, which is welcomed so much from our perspective, from, where, you know, the Wedding Norse platform, being able to make sure that we stay on top of the information, you know, and the way in which it delivers uh, that, that kind of data to us locally from area to area, we can kind of see then uh, what the trends are looking like. But you've got to remember that could be then there's a bit of a delay from when the test is sent to when it's actually get the results and when it's published, the drug can change again. So, it, it, you know, it's not it's not flawless, um, but we have to really educate uh, the people on the streets, uh, people who are using substances behind closed doors, that it, there's lots of challenges in regards to not knowing the longer term effects and some of the you know adulterants or want the better word that can contaminate those substances can also be quite harmful as well um and, and i think that that is it's it's imperative that drug and alcohol workers are like stay on top of their knowledge and keep themselves up to date so that they can be uh champions of the harm reduction messaging when it comes to then the use of these kind of substances going forward yeah and also i guess one of the big ones is in terms of dosage, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. With regards, I always remember when Etizolam mm. came on the scene, which is probably going back a few years now, and that being like within the benzo family. But, you know, that's kind of seen as 10 times stronger, mm. more potent yeah. than kind of like your, your usual Valium. So therefore, but also it can look very similar yeah. So like yeah. like you said, like the blue tablets that you would traditionally know as like Valium, they would could also look very similar to that. So actually on the face of it, if you just add them in the palm of your hand, you wouldn't have a clue. No. Really. But then if one's ten times stronger than the other, then obviously you need to dose appropriately really with that. And I always remember in Scotland, it must have been like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, it was definitely before just before the pandemic anyway. And I think their um drug related deaths hit just over a thousand for like the first time maybe it, it hit over a thousand maybe the year before but ultimately i think they found that atizolam was implicated in something like 800 of those deaths mm. which just showed like the the massive issue that ultimately these drugs were were causing and obviously that one in particular i'm not even going to mention like the other kind of novel benzos as we term it so kind of like newer benzos and they're not necessarily new in terms of its actual production but just new within the the, the recreational kind of drug scene and, and the market isn't it but yeah i can't even say half of their names to no. be honest with you so i'm not even gonna like attempt to even kind of 
say them really with it. But would you say in terms of from, I know we've touched on like, I think we probably touched on in a previous episode around the the whole issue around synthetic opioids potentially coming onto the market. And it's actually an episode we're gonna look at um, in, a, in a couple of weeks in relation to the ban of opium in, in Afghanistan um, and what implications that's gonna have on the, the, the drugs market in the UK. But thinking of the, the risk that is posed by synthetic opioids, is, is benzos as bigger concern if not more would you say potentially i like like we're saying like if we go back to what we were saying at the beginning um you know their their use is far more broader and wider and probably the diverse population that are using experimenting or having a um, symbiotic relationship with the drug is is really important to factor into this and i think you know going back to all the other evidence that we've we've kind of presented from a um anecdotal perspective i think what what's what i what what we have seen is you know taking it islam as your example is obviously because it's an analog of a benzodiazepine we may be fortunately be able to take that approach and of treating like a benzodiazepine obviously making individuals aware of um, its potency, its half-life effects, uh, making people aware of the dosaging and being mindful of like you know the, the the time taken to when they feel in they're needing to redose. So we've been able to adapt then, um, you know, the use of, you know, everyone goes goes back to the 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 Bible of um, the Ashton Manual when it comes to. Um, managing benzodiazepine which kind of like features and factors in how they work and how they how to withdraw so that's my go-to every time so if I if I use a broad stick but like work on the basis of right they fall within this analog of a benzodiazepine then I can then vary my approach to working with the individual and what kind of information and advice I would be given but always kind of with that precursor of um you know we don't know exactly what you're taking but we're we're gonna use going on what your presentation is what your um what you're retelling me of your experience of this current batch which you're currently using so we'll use that as a reference point and also if we're lucky to be able to obtain samples and we can send it off that for me is our kind of safety net but safety net but it's it's not should we say it's not foolproof you know it's 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 not something that we can definitely rule out that they're not other research chemicals um or alternative substances which could even be even more harmful or toxic to that individual so we we still got to err on the side of caution we still always got to err on that side of caution which which we've we've got to kind of highlight and emphasize to that individual and yeah do you know going back in terms of what you said like you you've kind of like adapted your harm reduction messages in terms of that you don't know what you're taking. Yeah. Are those like harm reduction? It's purely out of interest, really. Are those, because I can't really remember, but were we given that kind of harm reduction advice like 
five, maybe I'd say probably 10, 15 years Yeah, maybe longer. Ago. I think it's longer now because I think if you think back to when we had like such substances such as methadone come in on the scene, I think mm-hmm. that was, ten, you know, that was the game changer. That was the drug that kind of really highlighted um, a change in drug availability drug use and seeing like and and from our own personal experiences of working on a in a street agency how that changed the landscape even for opiate users and how that had a had a brief kind of like um foray with 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 the drug to because it was accessible it was cheap it stopped the withdrawals but it actually created for you know bedlam uh, people's mental health people you know injecting practices quadrupled in a day really poor practice the sharing of needles chaos ensued and we 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 had a we our backs are we're up against the wall but it was a kick up the backside for drug and alcohol services to realize that drugs were changing people were changing people were looking for different substances whether that is forced because of cost or availability but it showed how it could have a huge impact on what we were delivering at that time so that was almost like a head, a proverbial heads up to see this is what the the future could hold for us, um, and I think that that's what we should be kind of like aware of now with with the scene that we've got with benzodiazepines at the moment or substances or analogs of of that ilk, and I think that's what's important is that we should never take for granted that we've always been had it quite easier easy with the famous five drugs that traditionally were, were all too commonplace over the many many years that is no longer the case we see and hear what happened what is happening in other countries and we're fortunate not to have that level of of challenges due to you know our medicines act and and, and all those kind of things and the culture that i suppose uh, from a health perspective um but you know we we've got to be mindful of that could potentially be us in x amount of years due to the marketplace being almost primed for that you know for those for those uh, replacement drugs because people are going and always will be or seem to be wanting to look for those substances yeah was it then because obviously methadone came on the scene what was it like 2012 was it I think I, I think I think it was before that because even mm-hmm. when we remember we were doing events. Um, uh, remember what you were saying? So we used to, we, so Rob and I when we were uh, younger with hair as well. I, de- um, I definitely had, I, hair. I had hair as well. I don't no. Did I not? No, I don't think I ever saw you with your curly. Oh right. Okay. You, you had a perm, didn't you? Uh, yeah, they were the good days. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think I think it was like one of the examples is like you know when we were doing um, welfare events you know and we hardly had anyone coming into welfare that were using our traditional drugs they were they were coming to us after buying as they were calling it herbal highs and we were like going, highs, what what yeah. what is this about why 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 are these people and I got to admit I was very judgmental and thought maybe it was because of the individual because the individual's expectation was or one was i'm not going to use those illegal drugs they're dangerous i'll just use these safer drugs but in fact they were stronger and they were then overwhelmed shall we say by the actual um herbal high you know legal highs and still you know we were just a little bit like this is really bizarre i remember doing one night shift and going 
this is really bizarre everyone has come in has actually bought substances from that 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 stall across the way and 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 it turned out then potentially that they were using methadrone and other and other substances and it, you know even that that for me was the time was was it was a was a the dawn of the awakening from my perspective because it made me look into then obviously my practice and how i worked within harm reduction give me the give me the boot up the backside to look into these substances and when looking into and seeing the impact that they were having and the potential that it had to replace traditional drugs and we you know alongside the availability through the internet which we were sort of seeing growing massively mm. it was a, it was a huge game changer and that and that that I think that was like for me, uh, was the foundation of you know that preparation of of now we need to really kind of up our game and how do we become more accessible to people, not just you know working with the group of people that we have been known to say statutory services, health services, criminal justice. Now, now that the, the game that the game change changer was these people now, the oh, that were using these substances were from a, a much wider demographic than we as a street drug agency had seen before. Yeah, I haven't thought about that time for quite some time, but actually reflecting back on it now, it was such a mad time. Mm. Like just the whole scenario around it from your head shops yeah to yeah just being able to get it so easily accessible kind of the main message i always remember was like legal does not mean safe yeah. it's mad how we had to kind of have to to do that but like prior to that then because i know spice synthetic cannabinoids they they first emerged in 2009 but i know we didn't see that for a little while i think methadrone hit first but before that then was it a case of if people were taking benzos they were taking benzos if they were taking heroin they were taking heroin yeah. pretty much so it's kind of not as what we kind of know it now really yeah. in terms of like bringing it back to benzos then in that if they believe that they're taking valium then actually it's a 50 50 chance of whether it actually it contains valium or not yeah, really and, from it, and like i say it depends it depends on where you are in the country and it depends on what kind of like you know routes or transportation routes of the drugs coming into you know um, that can really dictate on what you're actually taking and because it's so broad and so varied and I said you have to take this generic approach sometimes um, in an ideal world you know on site drug testing being able to give someone that information advice there and then in the now is an ideal scenario from a harm reduction perspective so I've just you know give the scenario of I've just gone and bought myself now I've spent you know 30 quid on on a bunch of blue tabs um, I can come down, I can get them tested and get told what the actual active ingredients are, you know. Mm. And I, I know I know there's always, you know, it's not always perfect, right? Because you know, dosages from tablet to tablet, depending on how well um, produced that those tablets are, do, do you know change drastically. But it's it's it, it's the best that we're gonna get, you know, from from uh, from from a a drug check in perspective um but that would be our gold standard should we say for the future going forward i was going to ask you like in terms of i guess to kind of wrap this up one what are we doing to try and reduce the harm in terms of like what we're currently seeing but then on the flip side of that what 
what needs to happen what what needs to be implemented for example to basically overcome this whole issue around benzos and uh, the issue around not necessarily knowing what you're you're getting yeah and i, I know i know without sounding like a broken record right full spectrum harm reduction is required right? love that. i love that right i love you need that to get that into your self-proclaimed title uh, I, I but i, I can't because i think it's someone else has owned that and i and i but i i totally agree i think you know when even when mentioned the word like drug checking it's synonymous with you know events and festivals and stimulants or or disassociative that needs to be an offer for everyone you know yeah. so even if you're using heroin if you're using benzos you need to be able to have access to the, a drug check and and i think we've got to be uh wiser to the approach that we need to take and take uh, a good good note uh, you know take take away best practice from such things as i you know once again referred to the ashton manual uh, but one of the key elements along that is that kind of like you know what supportive uh, measures can the individual or us as an organization can provide for the person access and support and i think like recommendations for like uh, you know for managing their withdrawal symptoms would be including like right down to what do they you know their diet um the nutrition aspect of that diet uh, their lifestyle changes which are required to ensure uh, you know a positive outcome from you know from a harm reduction perspective because we're not just talking about abstinence you know we're just talking to someone we want to maintain their drug use and how they get the full benefits of their drug use as well um and 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 like and how then we can help them i suppose ultimately to support them through the whole withdrawal process and the feelings and emotions that they've got to deal with at, at the end or during that roller coaster but also at the other end of the tunnel and what additional services can be brought brought in to be able to support them and i think that for me is what kind of like the terminology from that full spectrum harm reduction is like incorporating all drugs and not just yeah. those the another fundamental core of like harm reduction was built on yeah uh, you know the needle exchange hiv agenda injecting practices and all that it, it's encompassing it all you know so it's not just the drugs that are injected it's the ones that are swallowed snorted uh, and drank you know and i and i think that's what's really important from our perspective going forward yeah i just see in terms of there being so much emphasis on other substances at the minute I'm a little bit worried in terms of from a benzo and a couple of other substances as well that they're kind of being left behind really in terms of people's proactiveness to try and limit the damage ultimately yeah. from that. And, you know, I go back in terms of synthetic opioids and quite rightly, you know, that is near the top of the agenda for, for many. But I think yeah like you said to kind of ultimately trying to incorporate all substances is um is pivotal really with it so yeah um cool yeah is there anything else jim keep it real keep it real <laughs> lovely cool so yeah if there if there's any other topics you guys would like us to discuss we've got quite a few uh, episodes coming up uh in the next coming weeks they'll be released over the, the next few months because um, we do actually have 
full-time jobs in addition to doing this podcast as well so we try and get it out there as, as frequently as possible um, but yeah let us know if there's any other kind of topics you'd like us to discuss uh, but until next time we'll see you soon bye bye like and subscribe that was the absolute business Jane. <laughs> if you've been affected by the issues discussed in today's podcast please reach out to your local gp or you can call the samaritans for free on 116123 Barrett is a charity that supports anybody affected by alcohol and other drug use, including friends and family members. So if you're based in South, West or East Wales and would like to access our services or yourself or gain information for a loved one, please visit our website at barrod.cymru and you can chat to a trained support worker seven days a week via our live web chat service.